Hello again. This week, Bryce and I are talking about some catastrophic headlines that are making the news on Twitter and social media. And really, it's showing how your customers can become your best red teamers, but only if you're willing to listen. Also, we're going to be revealing a tool that you as a leader can utilize to make a big difference in how your teams think of you and how you come across. So listen in. Welcome to The Thinking Leader, brought to you by Red Team Thinking. Bad leaders react, good leaders plan, and great leaders think. Each week, you'll get new ideas and insights from business executives, military experts, and innovative thought leaders to help you lead more effectively and better navigate your complex world. Now, here are your hosts, best-selling business author and top-rated leadership speaker, Bryce Hoffman, and former RAF Wing Commander and Business Agility Coach, Marcus Dimbleby. Welcome back to the Thinking Leader Show with myself and Bryce Hoffman. It's just me and Bryce this week, no guests, so we're going to be talking about some good stuff that's fun, interesting, and is going to get you thinking. And I think my friend has a topic he'd like to talk about. What is it, Bryce? Yeah, I'd like to talk about this this little stunt that Lufthansa pulled recently, where they, uh, for those who don't know, like a lot of airlines these days, Lufthansa has, shall we say, been challenged in the baggage baggage handling arena. And like a lot of passengers these days, Folks who are flying on Lufthansa have been putting air tags on their luggage, Apple air tags, to be able to find out where their bags are. And surprise, surprise, we're discovering that in many cases, when Lufthansa, you know, said that it had no idea where their bags were, that in fact they could see clearly their bags were in Lufthansa's baggage sorting facility. Yeah. Which undoubtedly Lufthansa probably could too from their own tracking systems. That's a separate point. But what I wanted to talk about is not is not this this proclivity of airlines to lose luggage these days, but Lufthansa's response was to ban air tags because they got tired of seeing people posting on social media about, hey, Lufthansa says they have no idea where my luggage is. I do. Here's a picture of my phone. It's in Lufthansa. Guess where it is? It's in Lufthansa's baggage sorting facility. Um and their response was to ban air tags on the grounds that they were unsafe, that they created a hazard to aviation. <laughs> hazard to reputation. Hazard to reputation, absolutely. <laughs> but it wasn't the air tags that was causing the hazard to reputation. Exactly. And 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 then the and and then it, it got worse from there because after a few days of, of public backlash about this announcement, they then said, Oh, oh, never mind. You Yes, we've now determined that, that air tags are safe and you can use them. And uh, the reason I wanted to talk about this, Marcus, is because this, this to me is a great and poignant and very powerful reminder of something that every company, I think, needs to keep in mind, which is that your customers are your best feedback loop. If your employees won't red team you, if your employees are too afraid to tell you what's going wrong, guess what? You don't have to bring in consultants. Just listen to what your customers are saying about you on social media, and you'll yeah. find out where you're falling down on the job. Absolutely, I, I think that's brilliant. And you know, as we say all the time, you've got to you've got to go to the coalface. You've got to go to the front line. And 
that front line is often beyond the boundaries of your company. You've got to understand where your business reaches to. And we talk about influencers in our tool, Influencer Engineering, because it goes beyond just stakeholders. There are people who can influence you who you don't consider. And now in the world of social media, a single tweet from a disgruntled customer, obviously they've got many more than one, but one single tweet can have a massive impact on your business. And if you're not going out asking for that feedback, and then when you get it, even if you don't like it, responding to it in the way they did by shutting it down or denying it and putting in these draconian mechanisms and lying for the reasons why they do it, as you said, makes things even worse. Far better to go, okay, let's, we'll take that on the chin. We messed up, or yes, that was an error in our processes. Thank you for the feedback. Here's what we're going to do to fix it. And people are fine with that. If things go wrong and I go and complain about something and explain why it went wrong and someone turns around and goes, Thank you for highlighting that, sir. I'll make sure that's not going to get, you know, the same problem next time and I'll rectify it. Then you walk away going, great, you know, I've helped them solve a problem. It shouldn't happen in the first place. But hey, shit happens. We all know this and things go wrong. But it's how you deal with it. And if I love the line you said, if, if, you're, if your employees are too fearful to speak up and let you know these problems are existing, don't worry, your customers won't be. And we've seen that Absolutely. so often now in this day and age. I think it's great. It's the way forward and you've got to, got to shift how you work to deal with this. You really do. You do. And, you know, it's, it's interesting because you talk about, you know, influencers and we have a tool called influencer engineering that that's an evolution of stakeholder mapping. And, and one of the things that inspired me to develop it into influencer engineering was actually, now that you mention it, an aviation related incident several years ago when, uh, Many people will probably still remember a, a passenger on a United Airlines flight, a doctor who was trying to get home to treat a patient. Uh, the computer randomly picked him as the as the unlucky passenger to get booted out of his seat after he was already seated with his seatbelt securely fastened uh, to make room for a United employee who needed to get to another flight. And when he refused and said, sorry, I'm a doctor, I'm, I'm paid for my seat, I'm in my seat and I'm not going to give it up. They he was beaten, bloodied, and dragged off the plane by that. security with yeah. you know half a dozen people live streaming it on their cell phones, and, and at least in the short term, it destroyed over a billion dollars in shareholder value for United because that's the thing is that is is you ignore your customers and their influence at your own peril these days, and and what I said in you know when I, I wrote a piece on LinkedIn about this this Lufthansa thing. I said, whoever suggested this, whatever employee suggested, hey, you know what we should do about this is ban air tags. That person should be fired on the spot. But even more importantly, whatever executives listened to that person and said, you know what? That's a brilliant idea. Let's do that. They should be fired on the spot. Mm-hmm. Because if you were a real leader, if you were, if you were a leader who was doing your job, and actually leading, what you would do when you saw that your customers were posting on social media about, hey, you know, Lufthansa can't find my bags, but I can, you would be calling your whoever is in charge of baggage handling and saying, why is it that our customers can find their bags, but we can't? Yeah. Absolutely. And why are they doing this? Because they're reacting. They're under pressure. Yep. They're being caught with their trousers down. It's embarrassing. They're being called out publicly. They're probably getting phone calls from stakeholders and shareholders going, what the hell's going on? 
and then they're clutching at any straw. So when someone comes up with, what is a fair idea? Someone going, we could do this, unwittingly realizing the outcome. As you said, the executive goes, great, and they grab onto it and go, we'll do that and impose it. I mean, how quick was that? The turnaround on that was instant. I wish they could make decisions like that when it needed to be. Right. So what they're and, doing is reacting. It's and what do we say? Reaction. What do we Bad say? Bad leaders react. Correct. Good leaders plan and great, great leaders, leaders think. think. They weren't planning and they yeah. definitely weren't thinking. You're absolutely right, Marcus. They were yeah. reacting. You've got to take the time to respond. You know, we talk about think, right, share. The preamble to that I like to work to myself is stop, breathe, think. So anything that happens, the first reaction to it is to stop. Take a breath and think. What's going on? Why is this happening? Is that a good suggestion? Who's given us the feedback here? Who else is the players in this game that's going on right now? Where are the stakeholders? Why is it happening? Get some people in, find out, plan, discuss, talk, and then respond. So you've gone from not reacting to planning to thinking, and then you deliver, hopefully, a fair outcome. There's never a good outcome in this because it's a mess. But right. there's always a fair outcome where people walk away and feel that they've all been listened to. They've all heard problems. They've all been accepted and are on their way to resolution. And then moving forward, you get some sort of grace of understanding. And here's a voucher for next time you travel with us or something like that, if they ever want to travel with them again. But as you said, you've got to send a shot across the bows, I think, when this... And it's just, I'll, I'll call it out, stupid behavior. Uh, and one of my favorite sayings is never underestimate the predictability of stupidity. These things that get <laughs> shot out there and people go, great, yeah, let's all do that. Just hang on a minute. Just check yourself and go, if we do that, what happens? You can do a 20-second pre-mortem. We've done right. that. The whole thing's gone to hell in a handcart. Our name's scattered all over social media. Ugh, is that a good thing? Well, clearly not. And that takes you a minute to talk and think about before you react and do these things without even consideration. Yes, absolutely. It's a great example of, 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 of how you can use this, this kind of red team thinking mindset in a way that doesn't take hours, doesn't even take minutes, sometimes just takes seconds. Any rational person should have been able in 60 seconds to look at that plan. If they the dominoes said, on that plan. stop, breathe, and think, yeah. and say, what's, gonna ha what, what's the worst that could happen with this? Well, it's pretty obvious what the worst that could happen was this is, is, is people are, are you know, we're going to become mocked and look like idiots yeah. um, as, as we deserve to be. You know, conversely, you know, I often hold Delta Airlines up as, as a model of a, of a well-run company. And I, you know, they have, I, I think they're one of the best run companies in the world today. They, several years ago, introduced baggage tracking on their, on their app. So I get an alert on my phone or on my watch that, you know, that says, you're, you know, this bag was just put in the plane. Mm -hmm. And I've even, I've even been in a window seat looking and saying, oh, there goes my bag. And then, you know, yeah. boop, there it is. I got the alert that it's on the plane yeah. and, and boop, it's, it's off the plane. And then it's like, oh, it's on, it's coming on the baggage carousel. And I think only one time, you know, fortunately I, I haven't had a, ba a bag be lost uh, during this whole period that they've had this, but, but, you know, one time I did have a bag that wasn't coming out and I went to the, to, to, to the baggage handler. And I said, I know my bag's right back there. Cause my watch just told me that it just got loaded on, but it's not come out. And he walked back and was like, Oh yeah, there's a jam and it fell off, you know, and put it back on. 
Yeah. yeah. And to me, that's, that, that's the use of technology in a right. highly effective way. Because not only is it making you as an operator more effective, it's giving you as a customer assurance. And when you're traveling, these things are always in the back of our minds, aren't they? You know, you've got a timeline, where I need to be, taxis, aircraft, hotels, etc. And you know that a slip here, a slip there, it's going to knock things on. And before you know it, you've, you've missed flights or you've you know, missed your next meeting. And just that little piece of information, that, that beep on your watch or your phone going, hey, your bag's inbound. Rather than you standing there at an airport for an hour going, where's my bag? And everybody's looking around and or it's at the wrong carousel or it gives you assurance. And I think in this day and age, the customer service that provides people with clarity of what's going on, assurance when things don't go right, assurance how things are progressing, are the ones that are going to retain their customers. And I know Delta right. have got to where they've got to today because their CEO, Ed Bastian, mm-hmm. has been an absolute legend. And I've been following him for probably a decade now. And how he has turned that company around yep. by going to the Gemba, by getting down to the front line with his people who are handling the bags, checking in at the desks. And he's in there asking their views and opinions. Why is this working? Hey, customer, how's your checking today? Well, it was good because of this or it's bad because of that. Great, let me take that back. He flies with his passengers. He sits next to them on the airlines. He doesn't sit in first class. And he's back there living. Well, he does, he does sit in first class, but he also he does. Yeah. Yeah. But he's yeah. been back there. He does the mystery yeah. type of shopper, you know? Yeah. And that to me is a, a great leader. Because he's sampling it. He's not hearing it filtered up through the good news stories that yep. come out roast tinted. And even if he does get that, I'll go, great, let me go and look. And he'll walk down to check-in or the front line or the engineering and ask the people engaging with the problem or with the system that they're working with. And to me, that that's what you have to do. And there's no excuse to these leaders who are too busy. You know, if Ed's doing that for Delta, which is a multi-thousand people organization, then if you can't walk down in your factory where you've got 100 workers, then shame on you. You know, this is the difference in great leaders today. It, it is. And, and, I, and I'm a huge fan, as you know, of Ed Bastian, too. It, and the other thing that he does that I think is just as important is is he doesn't lie about stuff. He's honest about stuff. No sugar and, Yeah. And and he's been very declarative about, you know, key to their to Delta's turnaround strategy, how they became the best business airline in the U.S. and have held on to that title for years after having been in last place, is he said, look, we've looked at the numbers and people like to complain about legroom and, you know, cost for bags and stuff like this. But at the end of the day, the reality of the situation is that people who fly in the back of the plane 99.9% 99.9% of them make their decision on what airline they're going to fly by, what, who has the cheapest flight mm-hmm. to where they're going. And whereas people who fly in the front of the plane will be very loyal to companies that treat them well Correct. And, and will be willing to pay more if they're treated well to keep having you know, a good experience. So he publicly said, he announced in the Wall Street Journal you know, when, he, when, he, when he first started this initiative, we're going to stop making these little incremental tweaks to to our service in the back yeah and 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 you know we're going to invest almost all of the money that we put into the plane in the front of the plane Mm -hmm. and make our experience in the front of the plane the best in the united states and that's what they did and they keep improving it and and it works you know and if you have a high level of 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 uh Stat, elite status with Delta, 
they do amazing things for you. And, and I mean, I've been in situations because I had diamond status. I, I, before COVID, I would fly out of my way and have a layover rather than take a direct flight on another airline, just because I knew I'd be treated well on Delta. Mm-hmm. But, but, you know, to your point about, about, you know, going to the Gemba a few years ago, about a, I, th- I don't know exactly when it was about a year or two before COVID when there was a, a, a brouhaha going on about, shrinking legroom in, in economy class. The, the Wall Street Journal had a brilliant idea. They decided to do a story about it. And they asked each of the three CEOs of the big American airlines, Delta, United, and American, to do the interview sitting in coach with them. Now, not to fly in coach, yeah. but just to sit with the reporter for the half hour, hour long interview in coach. And of course, Ed Bastian said, sure. And in the interview, he didn't sugarcoat. He said, yeah, there's not a lot of leg room here. You know, it's not a pleasant experience. We try to make it as pleasant as it can be. Ours is slight, you know, we give people a half inch more than they get everywhere else or something like that. But he's like, I'm not going to lie to you and say this is a pleasant experience. But, you know, honestly, people who are back here are not going to make their business, their their, their decision right. on, on whether we give them a little bit more room or not. They'd rather save they the save, dollar and have a good They'd trip. rather save the dollar. So we focus on making the, on offering them a, a, as cheap a flight, as valuable a flight, well, without sacrificing a basic level of amenities as we can. The CEO of United refused to sit for the interview in coach even. Refused, even though he was being interviewed by the largest business journal Ouch. in the world, refused to even sit for half an hour. What does that tell you? one of his own. Yeah. What does that tell tell you about him? What does that tell you about his customers? There's a real contrast there. Yeah. Huge, huge. We let's take a break, but when we come back, Marcus, I want to dive deeper into this idea of stop, breathe, and think. I love that. Stay tuned. Hey folks, Bryce here. If you're listening to this and you're liking what you're hearing and you're wondering, am I a red team thinker? We have an easy way for you to find out. Just go to the show notes, click on the link there to our free assessment to find out if you are a red team thinker and what you can do to think more effectively, to lead more effectively, and to make better decisions faster in your complex world. Like I said, the link is in the show notes, or you can simply go to our website, redteamthinking.com. Check it out. I can't wait to see how you score. Welcome back. So, Marcus, stop, nice. breathe, and think. Tell me about this. Indeed. So this came about, I was doing some one-on-one coaching with a, a lovely lady in Spain, and we were talking about just The proverbial you, lady of Spain. The proverbial lady of Spain. We are talking about just how general behaviors in the workplace and other people interacting and their behaviors were making you know, her react and become uptight and tense and either fearful and having to walk away or engaging and becoming fiery. And it all depending on who the different people were and the context of what was going on. So I talked to her and found out more information. I said, look, one of the things and techniques I use a lot is stop, breathe, think. She's like, what's that? I said, it's the Ron Seelick, you know, this is what it says on the tin, really. I said, just any situation where you're feeling you have to react or do something instantly. Don't just stop. Literally, you know, bring the barriers down yourself. You don't have to look like you're doing anything, but just mentally, physically stop. Breathe. Just 
compose the old, you know, 10 seconds worth of breath and think. And you can do all of that at the same time. You know, so this can all be done in 10 seconds. But all that's preventing you from doing is that reaction that we know can be a catalyst to make things even worse. And she's like, I know, I did exactly the opposite of what you just said last week, and it all went off. And I ended up being the worst person in it because of how I re reacted. And if I'd just done what you said, that would have allowed me to either respond better or to walk away, disengage, or just do something that wasn't reactive and therefore a catalyst to a, a bigger implosion. So it's something, and then I loved when I started working with you, the old think, right, share. I always preamble that to, well, the think's there. Before that, just stop and breathe. Then we can think, then we can do whatever we need to do following that. So that's where it came from. That's so interesting. I've seen you do that. <laughs> you practice what you preach. Do you know why? Well, you know why? me. I have to. You know what well, I'm like? I'm an impulsive, yeah. reactive, fiery kind of guy. And, you know, that stood me very well in the past. It's got me in trouble in the past. And therefore, as I've matured and as I've got older and as I've realized, it, it's a sort of personal tool that I've created that as the situation comes up, my brain's going, it's needed. Bring in the SBT. And then that's where it sort of stemmed from. So how do you train yourself how to do that? I guess... What's that old Dean Martin quote? You've seen it on my Instagram about, you know, where does good judgment come from? You know, experience. Where does experience come from? Bad judgment. So I think <laughs> I've learned it. I've learned it from my mistakes, which is obviously the best. We all make mistakes. And if you don't accept that you're going to make mistakes and then beat yourself up about them, you're not going to learn. But if you accept that, hey, we're human, we make mistakes, we try things. But then why did I make that mistake? How can I not make it again in the future? You know, we're all allowed to make mistakes. If you keep making the same mistake over and over, then you're an idiot and you're not thinking. You know, you've got to do something different. But if you make a mistake and then take stock and then put some mechanisms, a process or whatever it is that works for you, you know, I've got my own things, other people have their things. I teach people other things I wouldn't do because they don't work for me, but they're very bespoke and unique sometimes. But I think you've got to learn these things and then create whatever toolkit, if you will, from a mental perspective or physical that, that's applicable to what you need as an individual. I think that's so powerful. I think that's great. I think we need to add that to our teaching of Think, Write, Share too. We need to, we need to talk to people about stop, breathe, and think because it, you're right. I mean, that's it's it's having that mental pause as a decision maker can be so important. And Absolutely. in that time, yeah. in that time, in those 10 breaths, you have an opportunity, like you said before, when we were talking about Lufthansa's air tags, you have an opportunity to do like a micro pre-mortem and, and doing a micro pre-mortem on, on something that stupid, at least yeah. should be in all you need to see. Yeah. yeah that's not a, that's not a good idea. Well, Let's think about it? this photo. Yeah. Yeah. Because a stupid Propose, as I said earlier, a stupid proposal under pressure often doesn't appear stupid at the time and yeah. you go with it. But if you just take that time, and I love what you just said there as well, where I'm teaching it as from a coaching perspective, it's to slow down to prevent a reaction. Whereas if we apply it to the techniques we're using, we're enabling people to just slow down and think from a decision perspective, for a mm -hmm. planning perspective, for a next steps perspective. Because again, with the red team thinking, and we see this with our own individuals, as they get more confident in the capability, 
their brain tells them that they're better at this and therefore they go quicker. And it's funny when we do this, we let them go running and make their own mistakes because that's right. the best way to learn. And then afterwards, you say, look, if you'd have just thought for a minute as a team before jumping in because you assumed you knew the answer, what would have been the outcome? Like, oh, yeah, very, very different. And lessons learned, and it's a great way of learning. But I think if, you can, if we can create this as a personal stop check for people, not yeah. just for reactive behavior, but just for life in general, life's going too quick. Right yeah. now, you know, unless we're in chaos, you know, from the Kneffin zone and we have to dive out the way of the car that's coming around the corner or there's a lion about to jump on us, we don't have to react. There's no act required, even though the world is moving so fast. In this world we're now moving in, the complexity we're facing, taking that time, what I say all the time, slow down to speed up. Right. That, that moment of mindfulness is a popular phrase at the moment. Yes. Just taking that, whatever you want to call it, I, I think is worth its weight in gold. I really do. Well, and that's, you know, if you look at it, it you know, I'm not talking about necessarily its 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 origins in, 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 in the East, but in the modern application of meditation and mindfulness, you know, a lot of what people who teach us in companies and stuff aim at is, is telling people that, that this is about training your brain to have an ability to stop before you react to something. And, and that's, that's accomplishing the same thing that stop, breathe and think does. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and it's, it's easy to say, but it's hard to do. I know. Cause I've, I've struggled with this myself I it, know. and, and <laughs> I'm sure you do. <laughs> you know I mean? Obviously. <laughs> but I know. Um, yeah. Probably more than many people, but uh, you know, it's, 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 it's so essential though. Because when, because it's like, it's go back to what our tagline is bad leaders react. Yeah. And, 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 you know, it, it is, it's interesting because, you know, you know, the origin story of this, I, I, before I, before I launched the, the thinking leader podcast, I was, I did uh, Seth Godin's podcasting fellowship and, and it's a great program. Highly recommend it to anyone who's, who's thinking of starting a podcast and you know, his, his whole pedagogical style is, is cohort education and learning from each other and stuff like that. And so, you know, you had to kind of workshop your stuff at every stage. And so, you know, first you came with a title for your podcast, and then you had to workshop that with the rest of your group and get feedback and stuff. Then you had to come up with a tagline for your podcast. And, you know, and he gave us some, you know, insights and stuff on how to do that. And, so I came up with my tagline uh, that bad leaders react, good leaders plan, and great leaders think. And I, I thought it was pretty good. And I sent it out to the group and said, here's mine. And about 75, I would say 75% of the people in my class were like, oh, that's so cool. That's great. I love that. Just a couple of people said they gave me chills when you said that. Mm -hmm. But I had about 25% of the people in my class say, that's a horrible tagline. You can't say that. There are no such thing as bad leaders. There's just oh, leaders contraire. who need help. And I was like, exactly. I said, no, I'm sorry. But but literally the world is full of bad leaders. Yeah, of course it is. And, 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 and they need to be called out. And, yeah. and yes, they need help. But 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 the first help that they need yeah. is, being, is being said, you know what? That is not helpful what you're doing. Yeah. And, and you need to stop doing it. 
you know, it, it's it, it's like you know the the first step in becoming in in your in your personal journey from a bad leader to a good leader is recognizing that you're doing stuff that you need to stop doing and stopping doing it. And then we can talk about how to make you a better leader. But first, you got to stop doing the bad stuff. Absolutely. And going back to talking about coaching earlier, remember I was coaching one executive and I do my old observation for a while, you know, take time, just see how they are, see how they're behaving with the team. And then, then we have our sort of first come to Jesus conversation. And I said, Did you, you, you know you come across as a real asshole sometimes. <laughs> and he was like, kind of affronted. I'm like, you know, when he said X and Y and Bob said this and Sue said that and they responded, did, did you see their faces? And he's like, no, not really. I, was, I wasn't really paying attention. I said, that's what I mean. Right. And he said, but, and he, he was actually really good. He took it. He's like, you know what? Now, now I'm, now I've stopped and thought about this. I can see it. And I said, but now do you see the impact it's having on your team and how they're not responding to you as the way, and that's why. And he goes, I get that now. And he said, Marcus, he goes, why has no one else told me this? Why is it take? So then he got frustrated with his team for not telling him <laughs> this. And I'm like, why have you had to come in, Marcus, to tell me this? I'm like, well, probably the way you're behaving now is a reason. But, you know, this goes back to what's it like in the team? What's it like in the company culture here? Are people, even in a fun way, a bit of banter going, hey, stop being an asshole, boss. Does that ever get said? Yeah. No, they wouldn't dare say that. Well, there you go. And I think goes back to your point that there are bad leaders and they're not intentionally people aren't apart from the psychopaths and the dark triad group people don't wake up intentionally meaning to be bad right. it just manifests through pressures whatever's going on and it's the same i had another issue with a team i used to know really well and i went back to work with them one afternoon and they were like oh my god the new boss is an asshole again i'm like what well, these guys are everywhere what's going on not everyone can be an asshole and it's always coming he's doing this he's doing that and i said well I know that guy. That's not him. And they were like, okay. I said, tell you what, I'm not going to get involved, but let me give you some advice. Next time he comes in, just go across and say, hey, Bob, uh, do you want to go and get a coffee? And they were like, okay, why would I do that? I said, just do it. And then when you're out, just say, how, how are things, Bob? How, how's it going? And see what happens. And they were like, okay. Very skeptical. Went off and you know, left them to it. Went back a week later. As it goes off, mate, total turnaround. So what happened? He goes, Bob came in. You could tell he was angsty. So I let him do his thing. And then went over, got him in his own and said, Bob, do you, do you want to go for a, grab a coffee? It's a cool shop around the corner. So we went for a walk. And uh, and I just said to him, how are things? All well at home? And how are the kids? And how's work? And he said there was just an outpouring, an absolute outpouring of somebody actually has asked me how I'm feeling and he's willing to listen to me now. And he said, we just had a great conversation for two hours and sparring off of each other. He was telling me all the things he was under pressure with and why he'd been behaving. And I told him straight, you've been doing X, Y, Z for the last few weeks and everybody's really hacked off with your behavior. And he's like, oh God, I, I knew it. And, but all these other things. And he said, from that though, we then had that relationship. And he said, please go back and tell the team, tell them to call me out. But all of these things take that initial courage of, stepping up and saying it. And I think people will be often surprised that the person you say it to won't bite your head off. They'll actually be actually grateful that it's because it's almost like a, a disease, isn't it? They, they know they've got right. it, but until somebody stops it or calls it out, they'll just keep doing it because they don't know anything different. And I think that's a really powerful 
mechanism for you as an individual if you're facing into that, or if someone else is a bit like that around you, what you can do to sort of broach the subject. And as we said in the beginning, if your employees won't tell you the truth, your customers definitely will. Absolutely. So listen to them. Won't they Great stuff. Wonderful advice. See you next week. Stop, breathe, think. Thank you for tuning in to The Thinking Leader. Check the show notes for more information about the topics covered in this episode there. You'll also find a link to our free assessments. Click on it right now to find out if you are a red team thinker with a red team culture.